Coaching Inside the Box. A youth soccer coaching podcast. A Brit, a Brazilian, and an American discuss culture and environment and the impact it has on youth development. Can you coach inside the box? Welcome to Coaching Inside the Box, episode 34. Legends lose the ball and games in order to win big. Andy starts this chapter, chapter 17 in Training Soccer Legends, Andy's book, centered around life is a team sport. Life, not soccer. Life is a team sport. And to create the greatest team, it depends on developing the most creative individuals. His example is NASA. Perhaps one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest team uh, or human achievements in the 19th century is us going to the moon. And out of, and in order for that to happen, out of the box, creative thinking um, had to happen, and it only could happen if those individuals spent decades of individual study developing the high self concept to be able to think out of the box before they could work on the level of teamwork to get us to the moon. Andy, when you started that specific to your chapter, what was your thought process? Well, let's, let's go back to, uh, you know, hold that thought. Because, you know, with Christmas, you know, with the time between Christmas, with the new year, it's been an amazingly pleasant time because I haven't had to put up with you guys. <laughs> You know that regardless of what you had said, that was going to be his first sentence in this episode. Regardless, it's of written. What I said. It's written for down. Sure. He wrote it down in red. In red. Well, you know the truth hurts, guys. I, I, sorry, I upset you. You know, and and now you're trying to attack me back. You know, retaliation is to, never wise. To be fair, it was me that prompted this episode. Andy hadn't texted yet. <laughs> first time for everything. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, can we get back to your question? Uh, before I was so rudely interrupted. <laughs> Did you even pay attention to his question? Do you even remember his question? Yeah, that joking. Oh, this is this is next level. Hold on, joke? I was a joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, our, our 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 topic today is about the importance of focusing on individual creativity, right? The willingness to lose in the moment in order to win big later. Andy, the, the saying that I remember from my youth playing for you was uh, winning is what is important now is what improvement next. It's not putting more goals, uh, balls in the back of the net compared to the other team. As a youth, it's centered around always making improvements, always getting better, which of course is centered around failure. And you, you write a, 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 one of my favorite chapters from your book um, all centered around legends losing the ball and games in order to win big later. You focus the entire first half of that chapter, which is a fairly uh, short chapter, especially by your standards. Um, Easy, Tiger. Talking about NASA and moon travel, right? And 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 how uh, NASA, uh, how how one of the greatest achievements of the 19th century. 20th century for uh, humankind was us going to the moon. And in order for that to happen, the scientists that got us there had to have great teamwork. 
But they couldn't have the level of teamwork and the level of creative out-of-the-box thinking if they hadn't first spent decades selfishly or in self-specific learning, learning all about science and mathematics and, and, and all of that before they could integrate that into the team and use the team out-of-the-box thinking to take us to the moon. You spent the entire first half of the chapter in that direction, and it's a soccer book. Why is that? Well, in order to be successful in life, you, know, you have to be eclectic. You have to be diverse. You have to be risk-oriented. You have to be a, a failure embracer. And, you know, we find it easy to be this person. Generally, we find it easy to be this person when we're young because, you know, parents, society don't expect much of a four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old, you know. But as you start to move into your teens, there's an expectation that you have to get it right. That, you know, and to use a sport in an, you know, analogy, you have to win. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can't get it wrong anymore and, and be tolerated, which I think is terrible. I think it's terrible that, you know, that we've got coaches out in our society that are saying to, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 year olds, it's all about winning, guys. We've got to play this tactic to win. We train to win. We limit your understanding of what we can do creatively because we're afraid of, yeah, thanks for not turning your phone off, Philly, Sorry. when I'm talking. <laughs> How ignorant. I've never done that personally. <laughs> because he doesn't, he doesn't have a cell phone. Because he don't go off. Because he doesn't in know Brazil. how to operate an <laughs> iPhone. How rude. <laughs> uh, anyway, getting back to what were we talking about before Philippe's phone rudely interrupted us? Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you specifically in your in your opening of this chapter. Yeah, I, 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 I was only kidding. You don't have to repeat yourself. Well, um, you, you oftentimes forget things mid-sentence. What's your name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so what, what we do is we, we allow young kids to take risks. We allow young kids, we expect them to fail. Even, you know, the least tolerant amongst us, you know, expect young kids to, you know, to fail. And encourage to a certain degree that failure but very quickly and probably well before we should you know we're asking the these kids to get it right you know so as they move into the teens we now we're not so much interested in them learning through failure we're interested in you know the outcome of the event you know and and that is nowhere more clear than in competitive soccer you know in competitive sports you know, where it's all about now, did we win our race, you know, on track day at school? You know, you know, you know, you know I, I rang track, I rang cross country, you know, I played field hockey for my school, I played rugby, uh, I played badminton, I, I captained the tennis team, you know, and it was all about winning when in all these environments when I was in high school, you know, and obviously I played soccer, but you know, that was in my spare time and on weekends because the school I went to, you know, was too posh to play soccer, yeah. you know. And so, so you know, but the key here is uh, our inability to recognize that the people that put man on the moon focused in, on their own education. They weren't focusing on winning in any type of conventional sense. They were focusing on delving deeper into the sciences, the physics, the chemistry involved with putting a man on the moon, in, in, involved with rocket science. You know? And so, so you know, the, the old saying that you know, this, this isn't you know, rocket science you know, you know, is applicable to soccer because it's nothing like as complicated 
But in terms of the need to win, NASA needed to put man on the moon. They needed to win ultimately, but every individual got to that point where they could collaborate and put man on the moon because they, they focused not on winning, they focused on taking knowledge further than it had ever been taken before. Well, what do we do in soccer? We have coaches that focus on winning to such a degree that they say, all we want you to do is play one and two touch passing. You know, and so they're focusing on winning to keep possession till the other team makes a mistake so that we can score. They can't because they didn't get the ball, you know, and look at Spain in the World Cup, you know, with incredible passing statistics, 99% of which were sideways and backwards. And so they got dumped out, you know, unceremoniously. And it's not the first time. <laughs> yeah. You know, well before they should have done, you know, and so... You know, we, we have an example in soccer of over a long period of time, the teams that have been willing to go for it more creatively have had more success than the teams that haven't. And the societies that have been willing to emphasize more creativity have had more success than the societies that haven't, it, where soccer is concerned. And yet, here in America... We've got you know, 95% plus of the soccer community that are focusing on recruiting the fastest kids, playing them in a limited tactical system so that they can win a game and beat their chest around the water cooler on Monday morning. Yeah, and a critic listening to you might say, no, 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 no. I talk about it's more important that we, that we you know, in rec soccer that the kids play hard and have fun, or it's more important in competitive soccer that we get better, but the actions don't dictate that, right? Around the rec soccer field, like we've all stood there and watched it, the parents are, are, are hollering and cheering about, about kicking it hard uh, when the ball's near your own goal, right? Or running fast and putting the ball in the back of the net, or even in competitive soccer, our training sessions are dictated by what happened at the week previous, so we can prepare, prepare to fix that before the, the, the week next, and that's just not how curriculum, um, from an education educator's perspective, should go. Life tends to follow this, this, um, uh, this, this, this progression. Dependence first, independence second, interdependence third, leadership, but self-centered leadership fourth, and then finally a fully actualized, fully um, uh, successful um, uh, person moves into mentorship, right? It, uh, which is centered on growth of others versus centered on their own growth. Andy, you write, and I've heard you talk about this often, that perhaps the biggest mistake that coaches make, it, it, soccer, any discipline, is they skip the independent stage. or They move through the independent stage quickly to go to the interdependent stage. An example being they spend very little time working on individual skill or uh, dribbling and instead quickly pick up like, okay, let's work on passing so we can work together. And... Um, you know, educators across the world would say that if you don't spend a lot of time in independence, a lot of time really developing a player's or a, a student's ability to be independent within within that discipline or that structure, you're going to limit their ceiling by a vastly significant margin. Mm -hmm. And and so, at the core of legends, specifically at the core of what we do. I've never seen another curriculum or philosophy that is almost a hundred is a hundred percent dedicated to um, to individual learning. 
individual development, recognizing that later team development or the best teams, the interdependence that exists on a later degree are, are made up of players that truly are individually brilliant. Can, can I read this to you? Because this is kind of the, the perfect add-on to what you're saying. Um, there seems to be a misguided soccer coaching belief that winning as a team, while also winning as an individual, can be achieved without developing incredible deceptive dribbling, shooting, and quick penetrating passing. This is so wrong-headed, irrational, and ridiculous that it makes my head spin. I'm, I'm really sitting on the fence on that one, aren't I? Mm-hmm. In virtually every field of expertise I have studied, and there have been thousands during the course of my lifetime, long-term success has been predicated on the short-term courage to be creative, try new things, and use failure to fall upwards. In other words, get motivated by mistakes and defeats to increase the skills, tactics, attitude, and physiology needed to optimize potential. Isn't that? A summation. Like, can we just end the podcast here? Well, no, because we haven't. We, we haven't. Because you have still twenty-five notes there to <laughs> to go through. Yeah. <laughs> Andy's effort at a mic drop. Um. Um, and, 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 and if I could kind of round this off, um, I am constantly impressed by parents that I talk to in our club because um, our Legends Soccer Club parents are amazingly risk-oriented. Um, they have to be if they're going to provide their kids with the support and encouragement needed to excel in this environment. You know, they've got to bite the bullet, you know, for a couple of years on mostly losing games and suffering, you know, you know that, that inability to go to work on a Monday morning and beat their chest around the, the water cooler, you know, because, you know, they can't describe the beauty of, of what their kids were doing or attempting to do, you know, because in the minds of most of the people that they're talking to at work on Monday morning, winning is everything, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so they're held to this incorrect standard where kids are concerned, especially of, um, you know, if you didn't win, you know, you're just no, no good. You know, you, you, you know, you're not competitive if you didn't win. Well, and I think you can boil it down even smaller. I think parents watch their kids play. And when a kid tries something and fails, tries something and fails, tries something and fails, the parent immediately oftentimes can turn into mama bear, right? Like, oh, Johnny, don't, don't try that there. Or, oh, you know, you know discourage them from, from trying that extra special skill um, uh, as opposed to recognizing, as you said, failure failure to fall upwards or f- embracing failure as part of that And if you tell process. a kid that is fla- failing, don't do this anymore, trust me, they won't do it. They have 100%. So yeah. you can't, it, it's the opposite. We have, when they're making mistakes, trying something special, we got to make sure we tell them, it's okay, do it again, do it again, do it again, until you get it right. You know, you so, can't give, it's, it's not like you're trying something and then you, you're failing and then you're going to give up. What's the lesson that you're giving to your kid? If something's hard, you give up and you take the easier route. I think for, for life purpose, you know, it's not the right message. Yeah. So, I, so I'm going to, I'm going to call on you individually because and we, we talked about this before the podcast started you know, while we were waiting for Philippe to turn up. <laughs> Late. 
<laughs> it happens. <laughs> it only happens to you. <laughs> no. At least I make it. There were like three times the Andy and I came and you didn't even make it because your truck, whatever. Um, so we talked about, you know, your family background. You know, why don't you elaborate on why you are such a risk taker and why you're a communicator? I would, according to Andy, it probably come better come come from you. Uh, my dad was a salesman who could chat to anybody and did chat to everybody and, and just loved to communicate. My mom was an educator who uh, taught in the inner city schools in Kansas City, Kansas for 35 years um, um, and um, valued education. And I, I, I don't think risk taking came necessarily from either of them. Uh, perhaps maybe my dad, definitely my mom. My mom's very risk averse, just generally speaking. Um, however, I think risk taking and my willingness to like, hey, let's just try it. If it doesn't work, we'll just do something different. I think that largely comes from you and comes from the Legends Club and Legends philosophy. Um, and as I was saying before we started recording, um, that 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 plays out in literally all aspects of 39-year-old Andrew's life. Like there is never a time where I'm presented something where I don't say, yeah, let's go for it, right? Without first thinking, is there a different way we could try it? even if that different way is more risky. And if it doesn't work out, like who cares? We'll learn from it, move on to the next thing, and make the next thing a positive and productive thing. But I, I'm going to give Barry credit here because, you know, having, you know, you lost him when you were 10. 12. You know, oh, 12, okay. Yeah. And, and I knew him until, you know, you were 12, you know, and, and um, I, I think... So what, you were what, in your early 60s when you knew my dad? <laughs> Was I that young? <laughs> 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 and, and uh, you know, I think that you're giving me more credit than I do here because um, Barry was the one that made you, out of all the players on our team, the crazy one. You were the one that, you know, I would tell you to do, you know, one Maradona, you'd do six and a backflip. <laughs> You know, and, and I'm not kidding. You know, you were that one that was, you know, not just out on the ragged edge. You're way beyond the ragged edge. You know, you didn't even, you know, need any chance of solid ground. Okay, so that makes sense and, and liaises me to a point that I wanted to make, which is a large part of that for me is because I'm, I'm very much a people pleaser. And so those people that are around me that I respect, if they want me to do something, I'm eager to do that to the 10th degree to, 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 to demonstrate to them that I believe in, in, in their idea. Right. And so as an eight or a nine year old, when you taught me that, that winning was not the game, but it was you know, what's important now is what improvement next. And the way in which we win is go out and try skill over and over and over again. I was going to freaking win. I was going to beat everybody else on the field in terms of my willingness to try those skills. And as coaches, there is nothing more important, in my opinion, than especially in the early stages of development, right, um, is, is, is convincing them that winning has nothing to do with putting the ball in the back of the net. Right, winning has everything to do with with embracing risk and and going for it from a dribbling perspective. And I think when we do that, right, then we can develop players that truly can be interdependent or eventually leaders and mentors within their own structure as they get older. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and and, and you know, if I look back on all the players I coached, you were the one that went for it. That 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 you know, just you didn't put the pedal to the metal, took the greatest risks, you know, got out there on the ragged edge, you know, and, and virtually died trying to do what I was asking you to do. 
You know, which doesn't say a lot for your intelligence, does it? <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm a people pleaser. If, I, know, if I'd have been following you know, Mussolini or Hitler, who knows where this would have gone. Boo in a China shop. <laughs> you know, and of course, I'm kidding. You know, you know, you ended up playing D1 soccer and, you know, you had a massive impact on, you know, many hundreds of games that we played. And, and so, um, you know, it paid off. You know, and I think it paid off in your attitude for life, your enjoyment of life, your zest, your joie de vivre, all those things that, that are really key to having a full and complete life. You know, and I've known you far less, but you have a you know, similar you know, way of looking at the world. You know, and, and what was it in your background that made you this risk embracer? I mean, I think it's obviously a little bit of the Brazilian culture, but... You know, I think growing up watching the soccer, marinated with soccer, you know, my dad, you know, played one professional game uh, for Fluminense, which is a first division team. My uncles played for either Fluminense or Flamengo growing up as well. You know, they were all soccer people, all soccer guys, all talking about soccer with me. And, you know, at those times, you know, besides one of my uncles that was a defender, all of them were attacking midfielders or strikers so they were all skillful players they were all creative players and they always talked to me about that importance and you know watching growing up you know I remember my biggest memories of soccer start in 98 that World Cup you know where we had Ronaldo Rivaldo Bebeto and then the next year Ronaldinho came so I mean I saw them just going for it I, I've shared with you guys a few years ago a clip of, you know, I think it was 1999 or 2000, a game between Brazil and Argentina, and the game was 3-0 Brazil, and it looked like it was 3-0 Argentina because they were just going for it nuts, and Rivaldo had a hat-trick, and Ronaldo hadn't scored, although he had hit the post three times, and he just, like, 80th minute, 85th minute, just going, 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 going. And for me as a kid watching that, it was like, I want to be that guy. I want to do the same thing. So I think that translated to my life as well. And, you know, where most of my friends, you know, played soccer for fun and, you know, went to school and did what the norm was doing. That's not what I wanted for my life. Like, I, I always thought that doing what everybody else was doing was boring. Like, I don't want to blend in. I want to do something different. Even if, you know, some people might end up being more successful in a sense. You know, I, I just want to be unique. I just always had that, that thought. You know, I want to figure out what I want to do for my life. I want to figure out my passion. I want to figure out, you know, what makes me happy. Regardless of what, you know, the world, the society tells you that you have to do. So, you know, that's why when I was 18... You know, and finish high school, and my parents finally allowed me to, you know, try the soccer route. My all my friends were going to college and, you know, studying and partying, and I was, you know, driving an hour, an hour and a half every day, sometimes three hours, depending on traffic, to go play soccer, to go train every single day, and missing all the fun, and not even going to college at that time because it was impossible to do both, and you know, everybody in my you know, universe of my friends looked at me like, what are you doing? Like, you're taking a gigantic risk because you're falling behind in your education for something that it's very, very unlikely to happen because, you know, especially f in Brazil where it's 
ultra competitive to make it at the highest level, you know, those chances are very, very slim, especially for a kid that is starting on the academy environment at 18 years old. Um, and I still went for it. And, you know, when things were, you know, not going so well in terms, you know, I started getting loaned out to smaller clubs, and, you know, and trying to find a spot, the opportunity to come to the U.S. and go to school, you know, appeared. And I didn't know English. I didn't know a single person in the United States, you know. And I was like, okay, let's go. It was literally, I got a call on a Thursday saying from the director of Fluminense saying, hey, you, we have a partnership now with this company that takes students to the U.S. Uh, we're hosting a showcase here in our training ground um, on Saturday. Can you come here tomorrow, sleep in our facility, and then Saturday morning, you know, you, you play with them and we'll see what happens. Sure. And I literally was two days after I did it and started getting calls from uh, all the agent uh, about a bunch of colleges and, you know, started the process. So it was literally like it wasn't even a thing that I thought about super deeply. It wasn't a plan. I just came, you know, and same thing at right now, you know, I'm playing for the Comets at, you know, it was COVID. I was playing, you know, for fun with futsal with my friends in the morning before I was editing all the maestro videos with you. And they were like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go train. We're going to start training in a few weeks, you know, get get a little bit in shape, you know, because I was a little chubby. Uh, and <laughs> they were like, get in shape and, and let's go. And I'm like, okay. And I went for it. And after a few practices, they, they offered me a contract and I was like, okay, let's go. You know, so I just... You know, when things, when opportunities like that, that are unique appear, I'm like, I was always like, okay, let's go. Like, let, let's try this. Let's see what happens. So let's, let's return to, you know, the reasons behind your success in, in a minute. But, you know, before we do that, I wanted to key in on a word you just said, which was unique, you know. And, and uh, so I've got a little joke for you, a kiddie joke. That, you know, how do you catch a unique rabbit? Any ideas? No. Unique up on it. <laughs> Uh, so, anyway, getting back to it's <laughs> <laughs> terrible, isn't it? It's terrible. Please, to be fair, to be fair, to clarify, I wasn't I wasn't laughing at Andy's joke. I was laughing at Andrew's face after the joke. <laughs> but I, I'm happy with a laugh for any reason, um, you know. But you know, so what you described there, you know, to boil it down to its critical essence is. You you were born into the Brazilian Joga Bonita soccer culture. Yep. You know, from there, you were born into a family that was just just marinated in the sport of soccer. From a in, creative perspective. From a creative perspective, yeah. Yep. From the right perspective, because it was in the right society, yep. worshipping all those players you just mentioned. All the best. Yeah, I, I worshipped them from thousands of miles away. At least you had them somewhat close. And, and, uh, and, and, and then you immerse yourself in... What was it that just dragged on my microphone? We're good, we're good. Okay. You immerse yourself in 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 this uh, pursuit of excellence within the sport of soccer, you know, and, um, you know, what what you described was, um, you know, a, a, a backing that most people in most societies where soccer is concerned do not get, 
you know, they're in societies like England where, you know, the, the national culture is stoicism, you know, is fighting two world wars and battling out in the trenches and, you know, slogging, you know, through the mud, you know, to eventually get the outcome that we think we deserve, you know, and, you know, which is a win, you know, and in Brazil... It's about the beauty associated with eventually, obviously, winning. And Brazil's been more successful in the men's game, incidentally. Brazil is not the top country in the world if you assess both the women's and the men's game. That honor goes to Germany. So the greatest country in the history of world soccer, though saving this for you, is actually Germany, not Brazil. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep after that. <laughs> But, but, but does all that make sense? Yeah, it does. But like, if you think about really like why we exist, really why we started recording these podcasts, these episodes, is because we don't have the advantage that the culture of Brazil has, right? Um, we uh, have the disadvantage. We have the disadvantage of, of the culture of, 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 of England or the United States. Um, well, and the English culture influenced so heavily the, the American States. soccer culture Absolutely. in the United States Every, that, that we are, you know, unfortunately for decades, we're consigned to be less creative because of the, you know, they say well begun is half done. You know, poorly begun is, is is kind of half cooked, burned before you even yeah, the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's it's negative. How do you bring it back? And so and but the, we started recording because there is another way. You can the reason that Brazil is Brazil, the reason that Philippe is as 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 willing to go for it, right? Um, it is because of culture, and you can create a culture within your own club, within your own coaching structure that encourages. Um, the type of uh, the type of uh, fanatical um, uh, connection to creativity for to going for it to failing upward to embracing failure that allows that allows that allows you to develop great soccer players but even more importantly than that soccer is a vehicle for teaching life lessons the best people and you make this point in this chapter early on the 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 best in order to be the best you have to be a creative thinker human progress is a hundred percent lies at, at the feet of creative thinkers it does not uh, it, 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 you know, zero percent of it lies at, at, the, at the feet of conservative thinkers, and so um, and so that's really important. Let me read this quote before I give it back to Andy. Um, to be successful, you have to be selfish, or else you never achieve. And once you get to your highest level, then you have to be unselfish. Stay reachable. Stay in touch. Don't isolate. Michael Jordan. Right. And, and so, um, Andy, I pulled that directly from this chapter for you. You quoted Michael Jordan specifically to be successful. You have to be selfish. You have to first be selfish. You have to first invest, you know, hours and hours and hours, decades worth of hours in your specific craft. 10,000 hours, right, to use Erickson um, to becoming really good at yourself. Otherwise, you'll never achieve. And once you've done that, then you can become interdependent. Then you can become a leader within a team structure. And, and let me pull this out of that chapter, uh, you know, which is 100% more current and, and more applicable to you know, where we are today than it was at the time. Um, this is a quote by a famous person. Football is like a religion to me. I worship the ball. And I treat it like a god. Too many players think of a football as something to kick. They should be taught to caress it and treat it like a precious gem. Who? 
Messi. No. Come on. You gotta be kidding me. You, seriously, you're, you are you're so a di- bloody Brazilian we're and you said to, messy. We're gonna have to cut this and, out. And we I said how topical it was today, this, right now. It's Billy. Oh, yes, well, thank, thank you very you. much. Are oh, you were joking? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that he was joking. <laughs> <laughs> Read it again now that the audience knows it was Pele that said it. Football is like a religion to me. I worship the ball and I treat it like a god. Too many players think of football as something to kick. They should be taught to caress it and treat it like a precious gem. To be clear, I know the phrase in Portuguese. Uh, what can you tell us in Portuguese? Futebol para mim é como uma religião. Muitas pessoas pensam na bola como algo para chutar. Para mim é uma joia preciosa. I, th- I think I've heard that before. My Portuguese is rusty. Um, I, I can speak two languages. I speak <laughs> Cockney rhyming slang as well as English. <laughs> we don't even want to go there. I, I, <laughs> I mean, bring it, I mean, again, it's it's really poignant, right? Because Pele only recently passed. Um, but the the impact that he has had on the game, um, not just from a from a, a a great personality and enthusiastic ambassador of the game, but the impact that he's had on the, had on the game in terms of putting at the forefront that creative creative ball masters are the pinnacle of what um, of, of, of what the game uh, uh, works to, to to develop and to achieve and our best players all come down from a line of Pele I think is something that 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 I've appreciated over the last couple of weeks reading and listening to people talk about his ability on the ball yeah I mean, I I think the influence that Pelé had in the game is just it's never going to be matched. I mean, we I, we I shared a video in the Legends yeah. uh, page like everything that your favorite player does right now, Pelé did it 50 years ago. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's literally so it's such a cool video because it has plays from Messi, Zidane, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, you know, all Cruyff. the greats, Cruyff. Cruyff and literally the it's like a replay in black and white <laughs> of all the maestro moves oh yeah it, it, that's a really good point andy I, I hadn't even made that connection as i watched that video yeah yeah and and the the, the one thing about Pelé is more than any other player in world history he popularized selfishness mm. and and you know and don't get me wrong i'm not using the word selfish as a negative it's a positive connotation it's a positive connotation is Everybody that really achieves anything unique and great for this society has to go where no person has trodden before. And, you know, in order to do that, you've got to be, you know, essentially um, very self-centered, you know, in believing that you've got it right and other people have got it wrong and then seeking to justify it and prove it. And what he did is he justified it. He proved it and he proved that by being selfish, you can be the best of all team players. So, in a, in a very, it's it's a conundrum. It's a contradiction. By being selfish, you can be the most unselfish player of your era, of your national team. You know, and that's what Pelé became because 
in in beating one or two players, he created panic in opposing defenses. He created numbers up. He created space for his teammates. You know, and you know the assist he got to Carlos Alberto in the nineteen seventy World Cup was a tremendous you know example of unselfishness from where he was. He could have gone for it himself with a high chance of scoring, but he chose to lay the perfect ball off. You know, to to provide Alberto with an unbelievable chance to score. And that whole World Cup, if you and I've watched all the games, um, you look at Pelé's career before, and he was the guy that would get the ball, beat seven, 20 people, and would score a goal. That World Cup, he played more in the midfield. He played more as a 10, and he wasn't the top scorer. Jairzinho was the top scorer. He made everybody around him better. It wasn't just, I'm winning this for us. I'm seeing he made everybody around him better. So looking at the five uh, pillars of leadership that you mentioned or the human development, you know, he literally throughout his career went through all of that. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, it was the the fourth. uh, No, the one before. Leadership. Leadership. He was the leader. And then after that, you know, after his career was done, he became a mentor. You know, one of the reasons why Santos developed an obscene amount of players after Pele, I think was because Pele was there. You know, Pele always had a say, always had a word uh, in their academy, in their professional team. You know, he, he's a god, especially for Santos. And, you know, everybody would listen to him. So everybody um, was, you know, I think looking for doing everything he was saying in that sense and he was able to influence you know that team and the brazilian culture so much and the world as well the guy stopped a war a civil war in africa i mean how can a soccer player do something like that it's it's just unimaginable certainly not by playing the way you face and getting it given (laughs) and and going sideways and backwards right right and um one of the things I wanted to do was was um, elaborate a little bit on my background. I'm going to have to cut it short because we've got to end this this podcast relatively early today. Um, but you know, I I was lucky enough to grow up in a boarding house in Oxford, England. So I I mixed with the university students at Oxford, whether that was an undergrad, whether that was a master's student, or somebody taking their PhD, or or somebody coming and studying in the summer school. And uh, and so um, I had the opportunity to sit in on political discussions, discussions about religion, sex, politics, obviously soccer, because, you know, we loved soccer and a lot of people that stayed with us love soccer. And, and so, you know, as a kid, I got brutalized in arguments. You know, I would venture an opinion, you know, if I dared to, you know, and I'd get shot down in a heartbeat because I'd not done my research. I hadn't taken the risks. I hadn't read enough. I, you know, I just didn't have the depth of knowledge. But as time went by, I continued because as a five-year-old, six-year-old, all the way through to middle teens, you know, I, I didn't have a concept of how weak my knowledge was. And I was being encouraged to participate by these adults in a way that perhaps a 16, 17, 18 year old would have been ridiculed. Mm-hmm. You know, the only person that ridiculed was my older sister, and she still does. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, what happened was I, I, I realized where my weaknesses were, and I had to go away and study, and then I had to risk my opinion again at the next meal in the next discussion. And so uh, I became, you know, in, in some small way, 
a master debater, and you can take that description any way you want. You know, and, and, you know, what I mean, though, you know, crucially in this instance is I began to be able to hold my own in, in the discussion of, you know, important things. You know, and, and in-depth stuff, stuff that people were studying at university, I was exposed to around the dinner table in my mom and dad's, you know, guest house environment. And, and so, you know, this gave me the ability to, uh, you know, put my thoughts together and describe my thoughts in a somewhat rational manner so that people would believe that I knew what I was talking about, irrespective of whether I did or I didn't. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and, and then choose to adopt some of those approaches, which gave me confidence, confidence to, um, you know, to get up and talk in front of audiences, you know, as I became a teenager, you know, and, you know, to be a coach at age 16, you know, when I was approached by my alma mater youth soccer club, you know, to, to be a coach. And, and, and then in addition to that, my tactical ability to evaluate, um, you know, a situation and come up with the right option was once again helped by the fact I played chess against these lodges, you know, on, on a daily basis for a number of hours on end, you know, and so I got to the point where when I later had the chance to play without knowing you know, the, the Oxford University chess captain, I was able to beat him a couple of games on the front end, even though I lost in big time over the next few weeks while we were in hospital together, you know, and, you know, and I was able to hold my own with somebody that was really good at chess without ever knowing how good I was at chess, you know, so this was this absence of the fear of failure because I was in my cocoon, I was home, I was playing chess against people that had become friends, you know, in an environment where, you know, mum and dad were always around, so nobody could abuse me for having a stupid opinion, you know, and so... I probably grew up with an irrational self of self, you know, an irrational sense of self-concept, you know, that was way too high. But in the long run, it helped me as I realized, you know, what I was capable of doing. It gave me the confidence to step outside of the box, move to America and try and, you know, do new things, you know. So a lot of these soccer ventures that I've been involved in, you know, that British soccer camps that became the largest company in the world, Challenger Sports in the, in the, in the camp area, you know, the National Indoor Soccer Championship, Super Clubs, you know, obviously the Legends Club, Happy Feet Legends International, all of these things came out of, I think, that background of being encouraged to take risk in an environment that supported risk. The culture that existed within your family home. Right. So, you know, it's our obligation to provide this culture through our club, you know, that makes kids creative, that, that you know, doesn't ridicule kids for trying a Maradona and falling flat on their faces. We all do, you know, when we try a Maradona when we first try a Maradona. You know, it takes thousands of failures to create incredible success. Does all that make sense? A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think literally the last minute, I think is is a is a, a bit that every parent, every soccer parent, every of of our club or any club should hear. It's 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 that willingness to take risk and embrace failure that that provides a platform and an opportunity for kids to achieve at the highest possible level for themselves. And 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 I'm going to get you know I think I've got a minute or two yet, but. This is a poem by Rudyard Kipling. It's one of my all-time favorites. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make an allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating 
and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to, broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools, if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss, and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss, if you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Very sexist. But let's apply this to, to females as well. You know, and let's challenge, you know, people of both sexes and genders and and you know and and you know genders combined and and all the various things in this era and and let's let's live this you know let's take these risks let's let's do it with honor but do it with modesty you know and and you know and let's challenge our kids to be better because we we encourage this mentality and and lastly i wanted to introduce you to sir ken robinson he has the the most listened to TED Talks mm-hmm. in TED Talk history. That's a good one. You know, it's on it, YouTube. Search Ken Robinson. It, it is fantastic. This book is called The Element by Ken Robinson. It is an incredible study on how to encourage people to search for their special uniqueness and be creative within that environment and how to, through education, provide everybody with that opportunity. And this has been a terrible weakness of education, just as it's been a terrible weakness of soccer, is we've tried to create rote learning, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, with an objective, have a career, make money, in the case of employment, or win, in the case of the sporting contest, you know, and obviously, primarily soccer in this context here. You know, and what we've got to do is we've got to get, get away from that and we've got to use soccer as a vehicle to develop creativity, mm-hmm. to develop brilliance in life, to develop confidence, and, and be willing to get out there on the ragged edge, ragged edge and do something new and do something that will have greater benefit for the world, for the people in the world, for the future of everybody, including the animals and all the other species on the planet, you know, and, and have a macro vision you know, that, that starts with a micro vision of bravery, creativity, and leadership that we have generated and built within the legends club in kansas city well said well said um andy philippe great episode until next time until thanks next guys time. thank you